It's time for the Tom Sumner Program. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show with music, comedy and special guest interviews every Monday through Friday. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Theme music is Fruit of the Louvre, provided by Flint composer-producer Howard Eddy. Stay tuned, because it's on now. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. The Tom Sumner Program. Here's your host. Have you lost your job and your health care coverage due to COVID-19? You're not alone, and Genesee Health Plan can help. I called, and they provided health care enrollment over the phone with Medicaid, healthcare.gov, and Genesee Health Plan. They made sure I had access to doctor visits, my prescriptions, and more. Getting health care coverage can be confusing. You don't have to do it alone. Get help with GHP. Call 844-232-7740 or go to geneseehealthplan.org. We're in this together, and together we'll get through it. Hi, I'm U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow, and I'm listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Hey, good morning, everybody, and welcome to another week of isolation, or uh, hopefully a week of isolation made a little better by another week of the Tom Sumner Program, Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to noon. And uh, in our three-hour tour, we got a good one coming up today, um, as long as we're in that sort of dystopian isolation mode. Uh, Coming up in the second hour of the show, we're going to be talking with um, Lord Robert Mercer Narn, author of Multiverse, which paints a haunting picture of what America could look like if the debate over uh, science and religion's role in politics continues without any side willing to compromise. An alarming message indeed as we prepare for a monumental presidential election. So we're going to be talking with uh, Lord Mercer Narn, also Dr. Mercer Narn. He goes, he's got a whole bunch of titles. We'll get into all of that with, uh, with Robert when I talk to him uh, a little bit later about his dystopian political thriller. And uh, also on the show today, uh, coming up in the um, third half of our three-hour tour, we're going to talk about urban gardening, which I, I don't know about um, about all of you, but I, I know I've been out picking tomatoes like crazy lately. Um, Sandy loves to uh, grow vegetables and food and whatnot. Anyway, we're going to talk about urban gardening, not just urban farming, but urban urban gardening with um, Jeff uh, Herman from Lawn Starter. And uh, they've done a study on the uh, 12 best cities for urban gardening. And we're going to talk about that. And they're pretty much where you would expect, but there are a couple of surprises. So We'll, uh, we'll get into all of that during the third half of our three-hour tour. But coming up first, we're going to talk with um, J.K. Kelly, the author of uh, The Lost 
Pulse. That'll be coming up in just a moment or so. That's an encore, by the way. And speaking of encores, if there's ever an interview you miss or maybe something you'd like to go back and listen to again, you can do that very easily by going to the TomSumnerProgram.com website and uh, finding the archive in the pull-down menu under audio and then uh, at the bottom of the archive page it says go to full archive and you can scroll through and find interviews uh, with all kinds of people but if you know the date and the hour that the interview you're interested in it's, it's very easy to find but feel free to scroll through you might find some that you didn't even know you wanted to hear uh, also uh, I want to give a shout out to uh, WFOV 92.1 FM, our voices radio in Flint, for carrying the Tom Sumner program. They are a broadcast service of the Flint Odyssey House Spectacle Productions and my good friend Paul Hearing. We're also streaming at TomSumnerProgram.com. Now you can hear us on 92.1 FM from 9 to noon, uh, but also in the evenings from 9 p.m. to midnight. So two chances to hear us on the radio, and the show repeats all day online. So never any uh, reason to miss out, but if you do, go to the archives. You can always play catch-up. Hey, welcome back, everybody. This is the Tom Sumner Program. My uh, guest this hour is uh, following up his debut novel, Found in Time, with a new book called The Lost Pulse. His name is Jay Kelly. He joins me now by phone. Jim, welcome to the show. Thanks, Tom. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. Um, this is eh, this is maybe going to sound a little bit impertinent, but shouldn't the lost come before the found? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, we could, we could get very philosophical and very deep and heavy if you wanted to, but... Um, I'll tell you the truth. A, the way the left foot has to go before the right one. A comes before B. That's the way this is played out. And the, the funny thing was, when you when you write a book, for me, Found in Time was my debut novel, and we struggled. We thought at the very beginning we had the title, we had the content, we had everything down. Then there was this big debate that went on probably for two weeks on, on changing the title, living it as is. And to a degree, the same thing happened with the second one. Um, it's it's a struggle. You want to make sure that you've got something interesting for someone uh, to catch their eye on, and uh, or their ear in this case. And uh, I think we've done it with this. Well, let me let me ask this um, because in reading some press about the new book, um, it it sounds like the first book was a one off, and then at the end, and with some follow up reaction, it was like, no, there's more. Is is that kind of what happened? Uh, not necessarily. No, I would I would say that this is a journey that these young Marines are on, and life is a journey. And we told the first story, and I could have gone on for much much longer in writing, but I didn't want to produce a book that was way too big. I didn't want to write War and Peace or anything along those lines. <laughs> and uh, plus, to be honest with you, it was an opportunity for us to see if people would like it, and they did. It sold very well. We got very good reviews on, on a debut novel, which I was very proud of. Um, the only thing that, the, the real struggle I had was the ending. There are plenty of people in the industry that told me you can't have a cliffhanger ending. You've got to 
got to close it out nice. You don't want to make people think that you're hooking them to have to buy the next book. And so um, there was a series of stories uh, told in the next one, and I'm now working on the third book in this series. And uh, it'll just keep going on until people uh, tell me to stop. And are you thinking of it as an ongoing series and not, say, a trilogy or a five-book limited series or something? I'll tell you honestly, there's the character. The characters in this story are in their thirties, uh, the primary characters, and um, there's no reason, as long as the book maintains its popularity and um, and my writing style seems to continue to appeal to people, I don't have any interest in stopping. The, to tell you honestly, the third book was going off in another direction with all new characters. And I really enjoyed writing these folks, these young Marines, in the first and second books. And a light bulb went off one night, and I said, these, these folks could be doing the exact same thing these new characters are doing. Um, in the very beginning, in Found in Time, it starts out with the Pentagon being approached with a, with a scientist who can take people back in time. And they had to get over the initial, yeah, sure, whatever. Um, once they did find they could go back in time, they explored some things and got into some trouble and, and so on. In the next book, they go back in time from time to time, but it spends a bit more time in the current, and it really addresses the ongoing battle of good versus evil as it, as it appears, whether it's terrorism, um, the issues the Vatican are having, anywhere there's evil, these folks have decided to go after it. So it, this story can go on because good and evil has been an ongoing battle since, the day, since day one, and it'll go on until long after we're here. The th- there are two sort of sides to these books. The the military thriller part and mm-hmm. then the time travel part. But I was reading something that was describing the book, called it uh, Fast, Hard Hitting. Uh, let's see. Um, what were some of the other phrases used? But but they all had this, this um, sense of motion and and a lot of times writers will try and do that um and and i'm talking about reviewers not authors Mm -hmm. um will try to do that to to ratchet up the expectation and 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 make the thriller seem much more exciting um but every writer has a cadence is your cadence informed by your background in motorsports and auto racing well i did spend i've spent my entire life in and out of motorsports in one way or the other and um there was always a fast-paced existence um it was a fast crowd um the job that i had was one where i was flying all over the world um every week um there were life and death situations both at work and uh in racing as you know and um I typically have a very fast-paced manner, and I don't have a lot of time for nonsense because of the position I was in. Uh, I just moved at a very fast pace. That's the way I write. Um, that's the way my characters move. And um, uh, luckily, I've been able to, I think, and the reviewers seem to feel this way too, I give uh, I give the audience or the reader um, a lot of bang for their buck, so to speak. And and what about the time travel part? What is the fascination with time travel? And don't you worry about the uh, uh, 
what do they call it, the, the time travel paradox? I've spent, a, I, well, I grew up, to be honest with you, I grew up in the funeral business and um, in suburban Philadelphia. And I dealt with a lot of a lot of sad times and a lot of things that were, were um, very hard for some people and some families to go through, as we all do at one time or another in our lives. And I saw people a lot of regrets, and that always resonated with me, that you should never have any regrets. And then we got into conversations as I got older about if you could go back and change something, what would you do? As time went on, when I explored writing these stories, I said, I want to send my people back in time, but I want to limit them in what they can do. You can go back and be a viewer, but you can't change anything. Um, and so the conundrum they have is they go back in time and they're sitting there across from, let's say, somebody like uh, Idi Amin or Adolf Hitler, and, and they know that if they took this guy out, they would save millions of people. But they also know the unknown. If you change something, what will the what else will change downstream? And so that's a bit of a challenge for them. It'd be a challenge for any of us, I would assume. And but this uh, the inability to act is self governed. Well, very much so. They're you know typically typically in in the military you follow orders. You don't you don't ask. You just do what you're supposed to do and you move on. And luckily, um, for, in history we've seen both in movies and in other stories that. These guys, are, are fighting men and women, just can't necessarily just um, look the other way, uh, despite orders. And in this case, when they're confronted with going against orders and doing the right thing, um, they go the direction that I want them to go, and, and uh, I find it very satisfying. So they, they are capable of interacting with people in other times, um, un- unlike the, the Dickens' Ghost of Christmas past where you you go yeah, yeah. there you you see stuff but you don't really interact with the people they actually are interacting with people well i don't i you know you know, an author doesn't want to give away too much in their book but found in time came out two years ago and, and did well as i said but as a as a little clue to, to what happens in some of these stories <clears throat> personally and of course i get to do this through my characters um i always felt that our buddy adolf um took the took the easy way out when he committed suicide going so found in time, these guys take the, the technology, they go back to the Berlin bunker the night Hitler killed himself, and they decided that they weren't going to let him take the easy way out. They were going to deliver justice at the hands of Americans, and actually at the hand of a, of a young Jewish Marine, and uh, deliver justice in the bunker. And those are the type of things that happen in the story. So they very much do interact. So does this um, do any of these actions uh, cause chain reactions that they will have to uh, continue in book after book correcting? <laughs> well, no, not necessarily because I, I don't want that to, to be predictably unpredictable. Um, for instance, if if you know someone's going to jump off a bridge at midnight, so you show up at 11.59 you give them a little push, didn't really change anything, did it? You might have just had a little satisfaction, that's all. More with author J.K. Kelly, straight ahead. Hello out there, everybody. It's me, Tigger. T-I-double-G-R. That spells Tigger. And don't forget to remember to listen to Tom Sumner program on account of because he's so bouncy. <laughs> 
I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. A social distancing tip. Putting distance between yourself and others is critical to slowing the spread of coronavirus. So here are ways to stay in contact without the physical contact part. Call, send a text, set up a video conference, post on social media, dedicate a song on the radio. If you have symptoms of fever, dry cough, and shortness of breath, call your health care provider before going to their office. For more info, visit coronavirus.gov. Let's all do our part, because we're all hashtag alone together. Brought to you by the America, your children have an amazing superpower. They can help save lives by not having playdates. That's right. By replacing get-togethers with virtual playdates and video chats, they can help slow the evil spread of germs. And if your superheroes do go outside, make sure they continue their superhero wing by staying six feet away from others to protect everyone in America land. Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. East Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint, Flint. Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine, community-focused and community-supported. Your calls matter. Join me and Andrea weekdays from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern to talk about whatever you want to talk about. The Tom Sumner Program has open phone lines Monday through Friday to hear from you. How's 2020 working out for you so far? How about those damn roads? Call in live at 810-339-8255. It's all about you. We'll be streaming live at TomSumnerProgram.com and simulcast on WFOV 92.1 FM in Flint. Foil hats are optional. You thought you had every Elvis record made, but wait, Elvis sings again, this time from heaven. That's right, Elvis from heaven. Yes, hear Elvis from Graceland in the Sky, soul-stirring versions of epic proportions. You'll hear Elvis crooning, pearly gate rock, all dug up, lying in the chapel, and eleven others. This record also includes a special Elvis message. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Elvis Presley. Order before midnight tonight and receive this Elvis Presley commemorative casket keychain. Open it up. Yes, the king inside. A must for any Elvis fan. Order yours today. To order your Elvis from Heaven, send $9.95 in checker money order to Elvis from Heaven, P.O. Box 714, Cleo, Michigan, 44487. Or save COD charges and phone 555-5554. Use Master Charge or Visa, Canadian residence, add $3. Technical assistance for the Tom Sumner Program is provided by Swiftlet Technology. Engineering and IT services at swiftlet.technology. Tom Sumner Program.com The Tom Sumner Program.com
This is Congressman Dan Kildee, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. More with author J.K. Kelly straight ahead. I found that uh, the interesting thing about time travel, too, in writing the book was if I got if I got through three quarters of, of the book and and the story started to take a turn down a certain road, then I'd have to go back and say, well, wait a second, we did do this way back when. We did change a little bit of something. Now this is going to impact. And then having to go back and find the stream and make and, and make things right got to be a little bit of a challenge. Um, but I, I can say one thing I did learn, um, I studied some with James Patterson in New York a little while back when I was writing my books. And uh, he told me two things, get an outline and stick to it. Well, so I do that sometimes. I'm like the Marines in my story. I try and follow orders, but I don't always. <laughs> and, and the next thing was to give the reader what they want. And most of the people that read thrillers want to be on the edge of their seat. They, they don't want to know. They want to know what's coming, but they don't want to know. They want to see. And uh, I can, I, I'm pretty proud of the fact that I think I deliver something pretty pretty good every few pages there's something that will keep somebody up at night um because they have no idea what's going to happen next which is good well yeah that's that's the the thrilling part of a thriller usually um i'm fascinated by the uh the time travel element but i but i want to ask you about some writing questions studying with uh, james patterson is something that everybody does um but in that how did that change your writing style? Because you had done some writing before. It was different. You didn't have the freedom that you do as a novelist. But um, but you've had some experience writing. Are you a very disciplined writer? Can you just sit down and say it's time to write and things start coming out? Uh, no, not necessarily. My wife will attest to that. Um, if things start, um, I try and write as often as I can. Um, sometimes I need a break from it. Sometimes I need to to walk away from the writing and, and rethink it and think, is this really going down the right path? Is this where I want to take these characters? Um, I've heard some folks say that you need to write every day. Um, that's not my that's not my style. Um, back in high school, I started doing magazine articles for racing magazines yeah. and traveled the country. And, and I studied journalism at Penn State, so there was a format that you, that you needed to follow. There's, there's the A, B, and C of things. Um, but when it comes to writing a story, you've got, yes, you've got a middle, a beginning, a middle, and an end. Um, how I get there is not necessarily all that conventional because I'm not that a conventional guy. <laughs> uh, you mentioned that, that Patterson uh, recommended having an outline and sticking to it, um, but sometimes a story will tell itself. Does it happen like that for you? You start writing and it just goes where it goes. It, yeah, a lot of people have asked me where. Well, when I tell my jokes and, and tell my off the off the record stories, they ask me how do I come up with some of this stuff. But um, this storytelling just comes naturally and it just flows. Um, I can think of where I want to take it, but if it starts to flow in another direction, I just go along for the ride and see where see where we wind up. Um, as long as we don't go too far off the reservation, we seem to be good. Um, there's one there's one adventure in the Lost Pulse that I think um, will will make a few people fall out of their chairs. Uh, we're not going to give any of that away, but I can tease you by saying that I had the I had the opportunity to meet Scott Kelly, the astronaut who had spent a year in space. Yeah. On the International Space Station, 
well, something happens up there in the Lost Pulse. And so these, the challenge that these folks now have to do is they have to be able to transmit themselves to the International Space Station and stop something that's happening up there. <laughs> so it, it, initially when you say that, it doesn't necessarily sound plausible, but when the story tells itself, it goes right through. It makes perfect sense. And uh, uh, whether or not they make it work is a whole other story. People are going to have to find out for themselves, I guess. In in the the original creation of these uh, characters, which came first, creating the characters and then coming up with things that would happen to them, or did you do the story first and then sort of assign people to the story? Um, oh, wow. Uh, the simplest thing to say is that um, I wanted to I wanted to go back in time myself and see some things and explore some places, and uh, I've always had a, a great respect for folks in law enforcement and in the military, and this just seemed like a natural to have a character or characters like these folks um, take these journeys, and it was it's a pleasure to make them do what they do. Who are some of the writers that that influence you? Obviously, you're going to say James Patterson, <laughs> but um, well, you know, I could say Patterson, but the the reality is, he has so many books. He has so many books that come out, and there's so much, um, so many stories. My wife reads him religiously, um, but uh, I jump all over the place. I think Patterson was an influence because um, he gave me some some solid tips. Um, that I really appreciated, and I appreciated the time it took um, when I visited with him. But um, guys like Brad Thor, uh, Mark Greeny, um, Brad Taylor, Tom Clancy, um, and even if we step back in time a little bit, uh, back to the author of Jaws, um, the movie was thrilling, but the book, um, uh, Benchley's book, was was fascinating. Um, Things that usually scare me when I'm reading them and when they're in my hand. If I'm in the water with a shark, that's all another story. But um, uh, eventually, was able to scare me reading the book, so that was pretty cool. That that is cool. Um, I, I had a chance to uh, to talk with Brad Thor. He was he was a great interview. That's cool. That's good. Yeah, there's someone. You know, it's funny. <clears throat> um, I retired from from working in the motorsports world about four years ago when the company was purchased. Um, by another entity and the question was what I what was I going to do with myself and I didn't really necessarily think that I was going to spend a lot of time writing books um, because one of the challenges was what did I want to accomplish in it I didn't I don't write to make money um, I write because I like telling stories and I get a kick out of someone telling me that they really loved what they read um, but the challenge is there are so many authors out there and there's so many really cool thoughts and concepts and stories um, that it's, it's tough to get into the industry and make a name for yourself um, just because there's such a volume. It's like when I grew up, and I don't know how old you are, Tom. When I grew up in Philly, there were three channels. It was NBC, ABC, CBS, and there might be a, a uh, UHF channel or something. So there was limited content. You had maybe two newspapers. Today, all these years later, what do we have, a 1,000? television channels oh yeah at we, least we got youtube everything's being streamed there's uh the, the physical paper newspapers going away and we have all these other things so so for me to decide i want to try and make make a name for myself and continue the writing that i did in college um i must be nuts because it's uh 
it's quite a, a big industry to get into, but I've been very, very lucky and very successful. And um, the luck, I can, I can tell you this in short, I've been lucky since day one. I was adopted by some great parents when I was three or four days old, and my luck, thankfully, has been with me ever since. Um, great kids, great wife, great jobs, uh, got to see the world, and now I've, I'm putting some talents that God's given me to work in the book writing, and uh, life is good. You know, it's uh, I, we must be contemporaries, Jim, because uh, I remember the three networks. You know, just having the three channels. Although, in the in the Flint, Michigan area where I grew up, um, when I was a kid, CBS was iffy. <laughs> you know, on on a good day with foil on the antennas, you know, on on the rabbit ears, uh, you know, we might get CBS. Wow. Yeah. Well, you know something? Late at night on a Saturday night, and some of your viewers that are that are up in our age group might remember this. There was a time when you'd go exploring around the UHF channels. We could actually get bullfighting from Mexico in black and <laughs> staticky bullfighting from Mexico. I don't know how it happened. It's like the old AM stations where you'd be driving across I-40 across uh, Tennessee at 2 o'clock in the morning headed to a race or something. And you'd always be able to pick up at least one or two radio stations that seemed like they were on the other side of the world. Um, but, of course, technology has changed all that completely. And, and you know, I'm glad you mentioned technology so we can get back to the uh, to the book, The Lost Pulse, and, and the technology of time travel without any spoiler alerts or, mm-hmm. um, or anything. Um, did you have to do some research to come up with technology that was plausible? <clears throat> the, the, the stretch that I asked the readers to go along, I think, is very plausible. Uh, there are so many things that we don't know about. And, and if you go back in time and you say to yourself, uh, picture heart transplants and, and uh, watching telephone, television on a, on a wristwatch and all the technology that we've got today, putting men on the moon, uh, heading to Mars, all that. Um, I just say what if, and I don't discount anything. I think that anything's possible. So in, in Found in Time, in the original novel, a woman by the name of Dr. Moretti was put out to pasture by her peers, her male peers. And they sent her, they sent her out to Area 51 to get rid of her. She was a pain in the butt. Um, she was always always in the way doing things they sent her out there and they said just find something to do and she found material out there and when she was able to manage it and work with it um, she found that she could do something with it and that's how that evolved so there wasn't a lot of research it just um i you have to take a little bit of of a jump of a leap of faith um that it works and you go from there okay well she wasn't reverse engineering stuff found at roswell Um, All right, I can tell I'm about to try try to go down the rabbit hole. Yeah, well, it's, uh, it's, it's, I'll tell you the truth. After I wrote it, um, I I made sure I I visited with so many of my friends, and I said, read this. Does this sound really stupid? Am I going to make a a, a butthead out of myself or what? (laughs) And they all said, no, this actually works, you know? I mean, you have to give yourself... I, listen, Tom, I still don't know how electricity works. I know I throw a light switch, but I still don't get it. So, um, so the thought that somebody can make someone go back in time, that's good. 
That's cool. Well, and the thing is, is that we've gotten so friendly with uh, technology that we don't understand very well. I, I can't work on a car. You know, I get in, turn the key, and I hope it goes. Um, could you work on the Could you work on the cars back when it was just carburetors and coils and distributor caps and timing lights or or very light but, maintenance things? I could yeah. probably manage to change the oil. Oh yeah, any more you pop the hood on these things, and it's if you don't have a computer, you're not going to do anything except change the oil. That's about the extent of it. But we've gotten used to accepting that. We don't know how yeah, it I mean, works, but it works. Well, and the unfortunate thing is there was an, another book that I read, and a lot of your viewers probably read it too, and for the life of me, I can't remember the exact title, but it was a story that came out a couple of years ago where an electronic, electromagnetic pulse had gone off over the United States. It was a terrorist attack of some sort, and it killed every bit of technology that existed. And uh, if anyone were to read that book, it's staggering to see how dependent we, we are on things. Um, Couple things like keeping your insulin cold in a refrigerator for diabetics. There's no refrigeration. Nothing's working. Um, and that author took people down a very fascinating trip. Well, when you mentioned uh, Area 51, I it, it got me thinking, and, and I, I don't blame you for double checking with some of your friends to make sure that the only people reading the book weren't wearing foil hats. Well, you know, just to just to jump in real quick, the first writing credit I ever got from was in, you probably remember this, you remember Highlights Magazine? Yeah. yeah. Well, the very first writing credit I ever got was in the sixth grade. The editor had written a, a question to the readership asking if we, if we believed in Martians. And I wrote a letter back saying that I'll believe it when I see them walking down the street. So the next one or two issues later, the cover, the cover art, were two Martians walking down the center of Main Street, and all the little kids were hiding behind the mailboxes and the fire hydrants and, <laughs> and, and watching these Martians. That was the first time I ever got a writing credit. And the fact that all these years later, um, I've got folks working with material they found at Roswell going back in time, I guess I guess deep deep down I'm, I'm sort of a science nitwit or something. I don't know. Do, do you find uh, speculation about... Um time travel and uh, uh, space travel and, and all of those uh, things interesting? Is that something you've entertained yourself I've, with throughout life? At times, yeah. I, there's so many things that we don't understand uh, that go on in the world. Um, they're so beyond our, our grasp. Um, and so I think just about anything is possible. I really do. Um I'm a, I'm a man of faith, so, of course, I, I believe in certain things anyway. But um, there's just so much going, out, going on in the world. And when you combine that with the brilliant minds and the capabilities that some of the men and women on the planet have, um, I think there's nothing that we can't do. I, you know, I read someplace uh, that, that you credit uh, your writing career on your faith. I was surprised to hear you... Uh, chalk it up to luck a few minutes ago um do you really think that that's where luck comes from boy that's a good one i i i think very possibly because um i've been very lucky in life and i am always amazed uh, my wife and i speak about this quite often i see so many people that have had 
such tough, tough lives. And it seems as though uh, everything that could possibly happen to them or their families has been thrown on them. And there's other families that, that just seem to cruise through life and do very, very well. So whether that's luck, whether that's some cosmic karma, I don't know. But um, I don't. I think there's more to it than just the luck of the draw. But it's far beyond my intellect to try and understand it. Now we talked about sort of the arc between uh, your first book, your debut novel, and um, Found in Time, and the new book. <clears throat> excuse mm-hmm. me, The Lost Pulse. Um, does that arc continue into the the book you're working on now? And does it involve the same characters or are new people coming across this uh, technology and what they can do with it? Well, just, just like in life, there, there, there are people that are lost because uh, to illness or, or uh, in war um, or just come and go through losses of relationships and things. So, there are some folks that will not make it out of uh, Lost Pulse um, for a variety of reasons. And uh, in the third book, there's there's some new characters coming coming to bear. Um, it's funny, though, when you talk about faith, in Founding Time, there is something that happens in time travel where these Marines go on a miracle uh, mission, and they actually go to the Garden of Gethsemane to save someone, to ask someone to help another. And uh, that person does make it through the book and makes it into the Lost Pulse. Um, they believe that they've been put, given the second chance for a certain reason. Unfortunately, um, uh, every, every action has a reaction, and uh, uh, the path they choose to go down uh, is a tough one. So uh, as a teaser, I'm just going to have to say your readers are going to have to find out what happens to the girl that was saved. Okay. Um, any? Uh, do you have any idea what the? Uh, do you have a working title for the next uh, book in the series? Yeah, that's that's the cool thing about working titles. I had a working title. Uh, it was it was called Murder on the Mountain, but then I understood that that same title had been used by by an by an author maybe five or six years ago. So rather than rather than having that in my mind, uh, I just erased it. So uh, we'll just have to come up with something else. Um. This, these are uh, these are fascinating uh, books, and um, now because of Patterson's advice about the outline, does the outline cover the book you're working on, or does it go well into future books? For the most part, it's, it it goes from A to Z. It, ta- it takes me from where I'm starting, where I want to go, where I, where I think the characters need to go, and the end point. Uh, the fascinating thing was in the in the book that I wrote between these two that was titled Fueling Around, um, because I was involved with the racing fuel industry um, for 35 years. Right. Uh, I called it I called it Fueling Around. I started an outline, and the whiteboard that I had in my home office wasn't nearly big enough. And I, to this day, it still appears out there. I went out to my garage to my wife's uh, uh, frustration, and the outline became. Took part of uh, took a part of the entire left side of the garage wall because there was so much to tell, and it was a matter of I had to write down all the stories I could tell, and then just because of size restri- restrictions, I had to start drawing line items through things that I couldn't include in the book, either either 
for whatever reason, because of restrictions with my NDA or um, somebody didn't want me to talk about their broken marriage or whatever it might be. So um, outlines work. They work for me. There was something that Patterson um, suggested, and I figured, well, if anybody should know, he knows. Um, but I don't use them as handcuffs. They're just a guideline. But I wonder, as you're writing, do you do you start coming up with something and saying, "Wait a minute, this doesn't belong in this collection of adventures and in episodes within this book," and then set it aside to to maybe include in in something down the road? A songwriter friend of mine does uh, keeps what he calls a a boneyard of mm-hmm. little snippets of. Uh, chord changes, melodies, and lyrics, and things, and, and keeps them in a notebook. And you know, when he has some some time to work and and to write, he'll call through that and see if you know it inspires something. Um, is there a similar thing, yes, sir, thing for you? Yeah, if I have if I have the the rough draft in Word, uh, and I, whether I've got ten pages or I've got three hundred pages. Um, if I come up with ideas that I want to add to this, I essentially go to the last page. I, I'll put some notes in, and um, and I'll take some time. I'll walk away from it for a while, and I'll see if it's something that's going to fit or if it's something that would make more sense later. And, the, you know, the interesting thing, too, is we're all proud of what we do. We're, typically, we're proud of our work products, and, and whether it's whether it's gardening or buffing your car on a Saturday afternoon or whatever that might be, writing a book or, or or uh, writing a song, whatever. But one thing that was frustrating was when you really think you've got a cool scene or a cool segment, and either due to time constraints or just because somebody says, you know, it's good, but it's not that good. It could be your favorite thought, but when a couple editors say, yeah, it's not that good, you need to get it the hell out of there, um, that's like taking your baby and putting it out in the garbage. That's a tough one. I wondered Um, if that was... was, uh a hard thing for you. Um, but it sounds like you enjoy interacting with people who've uh, read the book. Some writers, not so much. It's it's kind of a solitary uh, endeavor. Um, but but you enjoy the interacting with people after a book comes out, it sounds like. But, uh, especially after, after it comes out. More with author J.K. Kelly, straight ahead. <laughs>
Hi, this is Joe By from the Blue Lions, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hi, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. If you like talk radio that makes you think without telling you what to think, check out our whole show weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern at TomSumnerProgram.com. Selected segments are also available on this and other radio stations, but you can hear us anytime. Daily editions of the Tom Sumner Program repeat online all day and night on the show's website. Past shows can be found in the website archives. My long-format interviews with New York Times best-selling author photographers and writers from National Geographic, as well as artists, musicians, candidates, and elected officials are made possible by listeners like you. Support the Tom Sumner Program and Civilized Talk Radio. Visit our website at TomSumnerProgram.com and become a member. You can make a one-time gift or become a sustaining patron by taking the link to the Tom Sumner Program Patreon page. Thanks for listening and thanks for your support. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County, where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make. Throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods, and in the diverse city beyond where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air, where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums, where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses, and where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County, where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at michigan.org. Thank you, and thank you all for tuning in. You know, we know that tough times don't last, but tough people do. We've been through a lot here in Michigan. We've been through crisis before, where the country needed their countrymen and countrywomen to pitch in collectively to get through a crisis and rise to the occasion. Michigan once was the arsenal of democracy to win World War II. We need that same spirit now. We're working around the clock with doctors and hospitals and first responders to stop the spread and to save lives. But we need your help too. The state has launched a new volunteer website at www.michigan.gov forward slash fight COVID-19 where trained medical professionals can register to serve their fellow Michiganders by assisting hospitals in fighting COVID-19. State residents can also use the site to find out how they can help in their local communities by giving blood or donating resources or needed medical supplies. Whether you're a medical professional looking to volunteer or you're someone who can give blood or donate to your local food bank, everyone can help out. To get through this, we must all do our part. Stay home, stay safe, and save lives. Technical assistance for the Tom Sumner Program is provided by Swiftlet Technology, engineering and IT services at swiftlet.technology. I know of a place where you never get harmed. 
a magical place with magical charms indoors 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 take it away hey this is first ward city councilman eric mays and you're listening to the tom sumner program more with author J.K. Kelly, straight ahead. The first time I, I did any uh, PR for the first book, I went to some gun shows because I figured it made sense that because these were military folks, and then they, in found in time, when they go back in time, they go back, for instance, to Yellowstone to run into Lewis and Clark, let's say. Well, they have to have the period pieces. They have to have the right armaments or the right rifles um, from that time period. So I figured, okay, so maybe I'll do a gun show. First gun show I did in suburban Philadelphia, people walked up to me and they were book lovers. They were there for guns, but the fact that they were book lovers and they saw there was an author with something new that they hadn't seen or heard of, the look on their face uh, was pure excitement. And um, that in and of itself is exciting for me to see that somebody's happy to see see an author and uh, that there are still people out there that love to read. And uh, when I get the feedback, um, I really enjoy it. There's every once in a while you'll have somebody that, that suggests you should have made a left instead of a right, but everybody's entitled to those opinions. And my suggestion to a lot of folks has been, if you really think you've got a story in you, tell it, sit down and write it. It doesn't have to be a 300 page book. It could be a, a short story. Um, there are, for the young writers out there who were thinking they might have some ability. There are so many contests that you can enter with short stories where you can send your, your piece off, and let somebody, let some editors read it. And if they like it, they'll encourage you to do some more. Um, but you know, it's sort of like, uh, and I, I don't want to, I don't want to take this in the wrong direction, but it's sort of like that show that used to be on television. Um, not America's Got Talent. It was, uh, whichever one Kelly Clarkson and all those other folks came on. Do you remember American Idol? That's the one. I'd sit there and watch the first couple of weeks and I'd see people come out and their, their friends and family had always told them, you're a great singer, man, you could sing, you're going to win American Idol, you're not just going to get on, you're going to win, you're going to be playing Vegas, you're going to make millions of dollars. And the, the sad thing is, so many of those people get blown off because people didn't sure. give them, they gave them false encouragement. And that's the one thing that I, I always ask anyone who ever read any of my stuff, tell me the truth, don't tell me I'm, I'm doing good. If, if this isn't right, or this isn't good, be honest with me, because I don't want to waste my time, I don't want to embarrass myself. And it's, it's, I believe in treating people the way you want to be treated. So, um, luckily I've, I've been very encouraged by my friends and family and, and editors that I've worked with. I've sent stuff off to people and said, I think I need some help with this. What do you think? And some have come back saying, no, it's just fine. I wouldn't touch a thing. And a few have said, yeah, we need to work on this. Um, and then you take, you take what they have, uh, either with a grain of salt or you, you listen and you adapt to those things. But I would encourage anybody who thinks they've got a story to tell to go ahead and tell it. Would you like to see uh, these stories made into movies? Oh, in a heartbeat. In a heartbeat <laughs> because and and not and and seriously, Tom, not um, not from a money or a fame standpoint. I I did enough uh, in racing fuel. Uh, everybody knew who I was in the industry, and and I got to go all over the world. And people said I had a really cool job. That was exciting. But I just like telling stories, and if I can, if I can give someone uh, either a good belly laugh or or help them shed a tear, or uh, have them uh, 
develop admiration for some folks that maybe they've never given any time or thought to, uh, then I've accomplished something, and I'm happy with that. I do think that all three of the books would very easily translate into film, um, but hopefully somebody in Hollywood's hearing that, and they'll give me a call. <laughs> Um, well, I hope so. I, it would be. I, I I agree. I think these would make great movies. Um, Thank you. The uh, the the last thing, and we're we're running a little long on time, but um, yeah, you're out of control. <laughs> but I enjoy talking about this stuff. Um, is there a moral to your stories, or are, are you just happy to thrill and entertain? I, I really enjoy thrilling and entertaining, but I think that the uh, the moral to the story is that uh, there's always going to be a battle uh, for good against evil. It comes in all shapes and sizes. It's not just it's not just the the ISIS guys or, or the Baghdadi um, son of a gun that they they took out yesterday. Um, it comes everywhere. It's in the schoolyards in America. It's um, it's everywhere, and um, I think people have to fight the fight. Um, because we can't uh, we can't lose can't give in to this, Jim. I always give uh, guests on my show an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more uh, about you, your work, past, present, and future. Do you have a website? Yes, I do. Anybody that's interested uh, in finding out more about the books or some of the blogs that I've written can visit jk k e l l y. That's jkkelly.com. Well, Jim, thanks so much for spending this time with me. I appreciate it. Best of luck with uh, with the uh, series. Um, thank you very much. I really enjoyed the call. All right. Take care. Have a great day. Thank All you. Right. Author J.K. Kelly with his new book, The Lost Pulse, a fast, hard-hitting story that combines a fight against evil with the twist of time travel. And we'll have more of the Tom Sumner program straight ahead. <laughs> Another five-minute mystery. An anniversary party is going on at the Brown household around the corner. One of the guests, George Taylor, pauses while eating his dessert. Mmm, best lemon pie I've ever tasted, Mary. Oh, really? I wish my wife could do as well. Hey, it doesn't look as if Sam is appreciating it much, though. Goodness, dear, is my cooking that bad? Sam, your head is practically in your plate. I guess he's fallen asleep, everyone. I'm so sorry. (laughs) That's all right. Sam, Sam, sit up. Sam, it's dreadful. I'd better shake him. Sam, Sam! Great guns, he's dead. How do you do? I'm Sergeant Barker of the Homicide Division, and this is one of my boys, Mike Grady. Where's the body? In the dining room at the table. We didn't move him. Hmm, might as well be comfortable, everybody. This will take just a little while. Hmm. Dead, all right. Peaceful, too. Who's Mrs. Sam Brown? I am. You mind telling me what happened? I guess not. I'm so shocked. I don't know where to begin or what to tell you. Well, you might as well begin by telling me what you served for dinner. Well, uh, we had soup first. Soup? What kind? Mushroom. And then roast chicken, green peas, mashed potatoes, and I served him coffee. But I don't see how this could mean anything. Just routine, Mrs. Brown. Did Mr. Brown eat everything? Yes, yes he did. He seemed to fall asleep over his coffee. Mm Mm-hmm. And when I tried to wake him, I found he's had a heart attack. 
Yeah, that'll be all for a few minutes, Mrs. Brown. We want to take a look around. Uh, notice anything about this table, Mike? No, Chief. Can't say as I do. Neither do I. Let's look in this kitchen. An orderly person, isn't she? Stacked dishes after each course. Yes, and here's the silverware over here. Ah, look. Look, Chief. One of these soup spoons has turned black. Black? Let me see it. The only spoon that's tarnished, too. Well, I was beginning to think it was a heart attack or the perfect murder. But this silver soup spoon is evidence enough. Uh, Mrs. Brown? Yes, Sergeant Barker? I'm sorry to interrupt your little party, Mrs. Brown, but I'm sure your guests won't mind. Uh, I don't understand. You will, Mrs. Brown, you will. You see, you're under arrest for the murder of your husband. Do you know why Sergeant Barker accused Mrs. Brown of murder? In a moment, we'll hear the solution. And now, back to our story. Sergeant Barker, how do you know it was homicide? Well, Mrs. Brown took careful pains to wash the soup pans and soup dishes before she served the rest of the meal. Yeah, I can see that. But she forgot one thing, to wash the silver soup spoons. What she didn't realize was that an hour later, by the end of dinner, the spoon her husband had used to eat his toadstool soup would give her away. She didn't know that toadstools make silver turn black. Mrs. Brown almost committed the perfect murder. But she forgot to wash one spoon. This five-minute mystery featured the voices of Sean Cantwell, Rhonda Groves Young, Randy Zimmerman, and yours truly, Tom Sumner. We hope you've enjoyed this mini-mystery. Thank you for calling North Shore Dock. Due to the current stay-home order, we are experiencing longer-than-normal delays. Your patience is appreciated. Thank you. North Shore Doc. Just say you're my husband. Okay, okay, I will. Hello? Hi, I, I, uh, I need to get my boat in before the weekend for Memorial Day. You probably need my name. It's Dr. Mark Mallory. Dr. Well, Doctor, we are too backed up right now, so there's no chance that can happen this weekend. Just say you're my husband, you little bitch. Uh, okay, well, what if I was to tell you that I may just happen to be the husband of the governor? Would that make a difference? No. The husband of Governor Gretchen Whitmer? Does that name ring a bell? Yes, sir. So now, how soon can you get my boat in? Not this weekend, sir. You do realize I am known as Michigan's first gentleman, don't you? Okay. That means nothing to you? Not really, sir. You tell him to get our boat in the water or I'll shut down all of Traverse City so fast his head will spin. Did you hear that? My wife is not playing games here. We want our boat in the water this weekend. Do you understand? I understand, sir. But there's no chance that can happen this weekend. He won't let us. What do we do? <sighs> Just hang up. Uh, uh, actually, I was just joking. Prank caller, prank caller, ba ba booey, ba ba booey. The Tom Sumner Program.com.
pilots, get off of my lawn. We're trying to do a radio show down here. It's a Tom Sumner program, don't you know? Go on. Go on, get out of here.